This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. This podcast, as always, is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group. And uh, as always, we've got a very action-packed pod again this week. We'll have a look back at the Huddersfield game and also the Barnsley game, which at the time of recording has only just finished. Um, and we've also got a, a number of, kind of different bits of audio, so we'll look ahead to Derby this weekend. We've got Radio Stokes, uh, Graham McGarry giving his predictions, and we'll just discuss all the news and updates around the club this week. Okay, so uh, firstly, Dan, how's your week been, mate? You been okay? Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, yeah, good good week for me, mate. The the puppies are coming on well. <laughs> Excellent, lovely. So, yes, they keeping you up, probably up at all hours. I assume you're probably having feeds and stuff early hours of the morning, are you? Or they they, they have been, and then uh, just just as they were sort of getting to the point, uh, well, the old ones were getting to the point now where they you know they, I could sleep a bit more and I could sleep through. Uh, there was a bit of a sickness bug hit the house, and I was I was then up. All night with the kids, so it's, it's ripped through the house. Apart from myself, must have like an iron stomach or something. I always manage to avoid these things. Just end up being a nurse. <laughs> oh well, mate. There's, there's worse things to do. At least uh, you know some very cute puppies to show for it. So, uh, no, good to hear, mate. Very good to hear. Um, and we've got, I know we've got a lot of talk about this week. But uh, before I kind of get into everything, um, as always, thank you to everyone who's listening to the podcast and sharing that. We've had some really great feedback this week from a number of people. So thank you. Um, if you are new to the podcast, then as always, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at Every Step Along. If you just uh, have a quick search for Every Step Along the Way, you'll find us on there. And as always, you can use the Spotify, Google and Apple podcasts and also follow us on Anchor every week. Every Friday at 7am, we'll have a new pod ready for the weekend. So let's kick off um, Huddersfield results uh, from the weekend. Um, I'll give you my thoughts in a sec, Dan, but what, what did you kind of make of it? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was very interesting because I think that's the first time in quite a few years now that we've that we've had a we've had a side who have gone behind, not playing well, and they managed to come back and win the game, and that that in itself is very promising, and it's something that I I don't think I've seen from a Stoke side for a long long time, and yeah, yeah that that itself is something that you know, is obviously positive going forward and does bode very well. It shows sort of the unity and the togetherness of the group. 
Um, yeah, so that's that's very positive from my side. And what I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, say, I'll give you my thoughts in a sec, but was there any particular negatives you you took from the game at all? Or I mean, again, it's hard to try and keep finding negatives. We don't want to find negatives from a win, but there always are some. So any any particular ones spring to mind? Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be really controversial now. <laughs> going to upset someone, uh, upset people. But the start of the season, obviously, we were that that them three in defence. Everybody was sort of raving about them. We, we all were, yeah. We were all taking in the Wilmot, Ostergaard, Suter. You know, we it was you know they they fantastic as a unit. They were all like they also come across as likable. They were three. Tough looking blokes, you know, we were all playing off there and and we were buzzing off that. The more the games go on though, I'm just wondering whether it's Harry Souter and them two aren't really playing to the same level. Now, whether that's just because Harry Souter's level is going up and up and up, which I think it it is, or of or have them or have those two also dropped off? And that's yeah, my worry. That... Have those two dropped off? The passing isn't as crisp, it isn't as fluid, isn't as accurate. Um, they aren't carrying the ball, they aren't looking as confident. But Suter, is Suter carrying the other two at the minute? Or is it just because he is playing that well and that he's standing out more? I, I don't know. I think that's a fair point, mate. I, and you know what? I actually thought, thought the same. And don't get me wrong, you know, they're not playing badly, but... Um... I mean, again, we'll call him to Barnsley, but in tonight's game, I thought Ostergaard was was very loose in his passing. Um, a few silly decisions. I mean, I'm, I still think we've got a pretty solid defence, and I think overall, you know, they're they're going to do as good. But I do understand what you're saying. I'm just going to say, in terms of like Wilmot, I, I, I kind of pulled this up um, kind of the the other week, and I think it was another thing that kind of happened during the Huddersfield game. But he seems to almost not know he's got a left-hand side of the pitch. And I don't want to be over, overly critical because he's actually not been all that bad. His passing, as you rightly point out, has been a bit weaker in the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, he seems to have, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It, it just He doesn't seem on the ball at the minute. Um, assume, you know, we've still got to try and get used to things. I mean, the midfield's changing a little bit where one day it's Allen, next minute it's Sawyers and... And bits like that. So, um, by no means, you know, are we saying that anyone should be changed? I don't, don't think we're saying that at all. Um, but it's a very interesting observation. Yeah, I'm definitely not calling for the reintroduction of like Danny Bart or, or you know, James Chester, Morgan Fox. No disrespect to them lads. I still think the three are the best three that we have. I'm just wondering, wondering whether their you know, levels are dropping. That's all. Um, obviously, yeah. the two of them, anyway. I think we're. <laughs> I think everybody can see that Harry Suter is sort of climbing week on week, isn't he? And getting better and better. I made a joke today, mate. We should sign him up to a new ten-year contract. I don't care what. And I think I signed one last season, but he's just—he's really excelling, and he's excelling quickly. And my kind of concern with Harry is that, well, it might—it might not be long before you know clubs are knocking down the door again. Uh, for him, there was obviously rumours previously, but if he does this now all the way up until January, it's going to be interesting to see how how strong we can stand if we get a really good offering for him. But uh, yeah, we'll come on to, to Harry, I guess, in a bit. I mean, one player I'd be interested to get your thoughts on, and again, tonight versus Barnsley, he, he's he's really frustrating me. Uh, Remain Sawyers, I, I know he's new into the team, but he just he looks for me, he's off the pace, he's slow struggles to retain 
possession quite a few times, the amount of times he gave it away. Um, he just, he makes me nervous. He's like, you know, like you remember like the old Ricardo Fuller slog and slouch and slow movement? That's what he is. And in midfield, you can't have that. And I really hope that he does find his feet because there are times when he does look okay. But for me, he's really starting to to worry me that he's just, he's not going to fit into this system. Um, and he's certainly no replacement for Joe Allen, in my opinion. I don't think he's meant to be, but he's certainly, he can't just, you know, we take Joe off. He can't just slot back in that defensive midfield slot. So, yeah, interesting to see what you think about Sawyer's mate. But for me, I'm far from from convinced right now. Yeah, I, I think the issue with Sawyer's is that to play his game and be because he is quite relaxed, isn't he? And he takes the ball and he'll he'll sort of turn on it and, and it'll it sort of loops languid and slow and then it'll sort of burst for you know one second, two seconds, and he's and he's you know he's pivoted 180 degrees and he's turned and he's played the ball through. And you, but he's sort of like that sort of sort of Stephen Inzonzi kind of play with the ball. I look like I'm not really, you know, got much effort going on. But he's sort of in his mind, he's, he's sort of in control. Yeah. Now to play that way, I think you have to be a hundred percent sharp and on your game because, like you say, if you're not, then you're going to get pickpocketed by the midfielders. If you are playing that, if you're playing that way. And your game is a bit sloppy because you're not 100% fit or you're not 100% match sharp, then you are going to end up losing the ball. And if you lose the ball, it then looks really bad yeah. because of how you're playing and obviously where you are, where he is also playing in front of the defence. You don't want to be giving the ball away. No, absolutely not, should stick, Yeah, I think we should stick with him. But yes, there is certainly a lot of room for improvement there. And hopefully, as he gets minutes under his belt... I think maybe maybe he just needs one good, you know, maybe just what maybe even one good pass. And the same way as a striker needs a goal going off his backside sometimes. Maybe he just needs to let the ball run across him one time, look through and play, you know, a, a through ball through to Surridge or something, and and that'll just flip, you know, flip the switch for him, and in his in yeah. his confidence will come back, his sharpness will come, and and we'll go from there. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> that's what hopefully yeah. will happen. Hopefully so, mate. Like I say, nobody in, after seven games should be ruled out as a as a waste of time. Absolutely not. So, was well, it interesting to see um, how he kind of settles in? And um, I think also, I know people get a lot of um, get a bit impatient at, at times in the way that we play. And I think we just all need to get used to the fact that we're going to be playing out from the back now. It's going to be a bit of a slower pace. We're going to try and like Suter every single time he gets it. Now he's playing it. He's, just, he's looking for that man in the mid in the midfield. He can just slot in, and um, you know that's the way that we're going to play. So I think there was a bit of kind of you know grumbles, nothing too loud, but you hear grumbles every now and then. Um, and I think part of that was Wilmot again not using time and um, at times. But uh, I mean that that aside, again for, it was an overall it was a very good game. I thought Jacob Brown. God, that guy just doesn't stop running. I can't believe how well he played yet again. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's just one of them players that, you know, is a Johnny Walters, you know, love child, if you want to use that phrase. Um, you know, he, he will keep running and running and running. And he won't be the most prolific goal scorer, but he'll put a shift in. So, you know, no arguments there. Mario, again, another standout for me. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Delivery from set pieces and his entire work ethic, to be honest, uh, made a really huge difference. And I thought it was, I think overall it was a 
poor first half and a few around me actually mate said that if they had turned up at half time they wouldn't have missed anything and i think that is a very good point i, I was ready for asleep in that first half it was pretty shocking, but, <laughs> um Again, I think that was, I think we were kind of culprits in that in a few games, just starting a little bit slow. But, you know, we'll, we'll find our feet. Uh, Mario, uh, again, was voted sand in the window last week, and I think he's showing just how important um, he he kind of is. So, yeah, overall, um, good win, a win that we kind of expected. Um, and, I mean, yeah, for, for me, mate, it was, it was just a good overall win. We, as you rightly point out at the start of the show, previously we probably would have lost them games maybe drew it at best but uh we just seem to have that knack of just being able to have a bit more confidence a bit more on the front foot and get ourselves back into games so um overall very very impressed yes definitely lovely um and obviously as always we ask for the uh the polls for the man of the match so uh we obviously put one out shortly after the uh the full-time whistle went uh your options were timon brown francic or other um, and you won't be surprised that uh, Mario uh, came first with 57%. Uh, Jacob was second with 26%. And then Timon was uh, third with 11%. Other 7%, I don't actually know who exactly uh, people had in mind because they didn't tell me. But uh, yeah, either way, Mario, I think, uh, very rightly uh, won that one. And that uh, very quickly takes us on to the Barnsley game, which uh, I say, if anyone has listened to the show, you will be fully aware that we record this on a Wednesday evening. It's now half past 10. So it's been a very late one considering we just come back from Stoke. So, um, yeah, so I guess really, Dan, wow, where do we start with this game? Um, let's just get your overall <laughs> thoughts, I guess. I mean, there's so much to talk about here, but I'm conscious we won't drone on too long. So what was your overall thoughts about Barnsley? I think that obviously it was on Sky TV tonight as well, wasn't it? And yeah. I believe that they, when they picked that game, a few people may have turned their noses up and thought, Stoke v Barnsley. Oh, okay. Yeah, I suppose. But as as, champion, as advocates for championship football go, from a neutral point of view, I reckon they would have thoroughly, anyone who watched that game would have thoroughly enjoyed it tonight. I thought it was two, two sides. It was, like I say, championship, for championship football, it was a great advert. How we haven't managed to win <laughs> second half, them chances, you know. But you know, I think Surridge he's got himself into position time and time again, and his shot to hitting the target, the keeper's just pulling off like worldly saves and keeping yeah. keeping them out somehow. Um, but at the same time, we you know Barnsley they've sort of gone down the other end and, and could have won it themselves at times, which you know. As a game of football to watch, it was a it was a really good game, really enjoyable game. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I thought you know there's a few. I thought Joe Allen was pretty solid. I mean, I know he gave away the free kick for for their brilliant equaliser. You can't do anything about that. Free a good free kick like that is going to be any any kind of goalkeeper. So no arguments on that. You know he yeah he shouldn't give away the free kick, but you can arguably say that. Well, at least he was trying to do something because, again, Sawyer's let his man go and that's what forced Allen into the actual um, kind of challenge. And other than that, for me, Joe controlled that midfield. One thing actually versus Huddersfield, we didn't really have. We didn't have that control in the middle. So for me, yeah, um, Allen was was really, really good for me. Um, Seema obviously only got a, a brief kind of cameo and it didn't help on the fact we went down to 10 men. So he didn't really get much chance to... To show much, but I thought I don't know about you, mate. I thought it was quite lively, uh, gaining himself around. Um, 
didn't really have much of an opportunity uh, to really do anything other than just show a bit of pace, uh, which uh, was interesting to see. But yeah, I think you summed it up really well personally, mate. Um, I don't know if there's any particular standouts for you. I mean, obviously, Harry Suter, <laughs> we've just been discussing him. Did that guy lose a single header this match? I, I can't I can't imagine him. Do you know, he made, I think he made one slight mistake when it was nil-nil. And within about three or four seconds, I think he misjudged the flight of one ball and he sort of went past him. And within three or four seconds, he got back and made a fantastic last-ditch tackle in the box. To, <laughs> and it's like, even when he makes a mistake, he goes and, you know, corrects it. Oh, let the ball go. Geez, best get back and sort that out. Done. Yeah. Yeah, d- job done. <laughs> so, let's say he's even mopping up his own errors. Um, but yeah, what a, what a performance again! Uh, that guy really is on top form at the minute, and we we uh, we should count the blessings that he's there, and uh, fingers crossed that we can keep him. Yeah, I, I think we will, mate. I think he's he's a, I think he's quite a loyal player. You know, he's got his head screwed on. He knows that he doesn't need to go in January, even if a big offer comes in. If someone offers, let's just for argument's sake say Man United come in, offer us twenty million quid. I mean, it'll take some balls to turn that down, but I think we would say no in January. If we're up there, don't be wrong, if we're you know, 15th and we're having a, we really going to slide now, then maybe it's a different situation. But if we're really up there challenging, I can't see them accepting that because he knows if he carries on how he's going anyway, either A, he gets promoted with Stoke, or B, they'll just pay 20 million or 25 million in the summer. So he can't really lose by being a bit loyal. Yeah, exactly. I think, like you say, hopefully, I think if we can get through the season at least, uh, that'd be the main thing. Like, I can't see him going in January. There's no. not really many um, sides, and you know the coats. It's not as if the coats family need the money, is it? <laughs> they, no, it, they, they've no. they've been more ha- more than happy to, you know, to subsidise the club and put their hands in the pocket, looking for success. Um, it's not as if they will be, you know, looking and saying, "Well, we need the money to reinvest in two or three other positions." They were quite happily if we go, you know, if the opportunity and the rules, the financial rules, whatever, uh, uh, allow them to. I'm sure if we are around the top six in January and Michael O'Neill wants a couple of players, they'll give him that money. Um, yeah, they would. They will. They won't be looking to weaken the squad at all. Uh, no. So, and yeah, but I suppose one question is if Nathan Collins last summer was worth the money that he went for. What is Harry Suter's valuation then? You can't go any lower than 20. You can't. No. If, yeah, I'd say if Collins is 12 and a half, we didn't actually get 12 and a half up front from him, but that's, that's irrelevant. Um, so, yeah, if he's worth 12 and a half, then it's, it's got to be 20 mil plus sign ons, plus appearance fees, maybe future England call, uh, sorry, England, you know what I mean? Yeah, a few future international uh, call up add ons and various different things. So, um, you know, you've you've got to be. You've got to be thinking along those lines. Whether anyone, I don't know. We, we, again, I think we've done our, our work in terms of FFP. Uh, we don't need to sell anyone clearly because we got rid of that many players. We must already be in a position that we're, we're, we're fine, we're comfortable. Or else we wouldn't have even signed you know, some of these other fringe players like Dehaney on, on a short-term deal. There wouldn't have been any money to do it. So clearly there's money. Um, so I'm not concerned, mate. I think Harry will stay. Um, and... Yeah, I think he'll want to stay. I mean, I mean, Collins. I know he's injured, but he didn't exactly start uh, at Burnley, did he? So um... no, and I think as well. Obviously, Burnley brought potential in Collins, 
Nathan Collins was last season. Nathan Collins was not the best defender in the championship. No, Harry Souter is arguably, you know, the best defender, the standout centre half in this division outside the Premier League in England right now, yeah. and he's getting better. So, like I say, they they brought a defender that. Wasn't playing Nathan Collins, was, he was playing all right, but he was playing nowhere near the level and showing nowhere near the levels that Harry Souter is now. No, no, absolutely not, mate. And you know, it's interesting because I, I put up a, a quick uh, man of the match poll for, for the Barnsley game, and obviously, you know, this has only been live for the last probably less than an hour, I, I expect. So, um, just for the options for tonight's game, so we gave four options uh, we've got Joe Allen, uh, Jacob Brown, Josh Tymon, and Harry Souter. Uh, you won't be surprised to see that Harry Suter's leading the way right now at 73%. Uh, Timon and Brown are very, very quickly uh, following him. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that and we'll touch base um, towards the end of this pod just to see kind of where the results are, are looking at. But um, it's going to take some swing for Harry not to, to finish uh, top there. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, a decent week overall. I mean, yeah, we'd like to have beat Barnsley, but we're still sitting here with four points. Uh, we seem to be still relatively strong. Uh, again, we'll come on to Derby, but it's at least we again we haven't lost. Uh, again, previous weeks, previous seasons, we could have found a way to lose that. So let's take the four points um, and uh, and look forward to uh, this weekend anyway. But yeah, so um, any further kind of comments on the Barnsley game before we move on, Dan? And just just to say, the the other player who stood out for me was Surridge. I thought he was lively all night. He got himself into positions. Time and time again, obviously he got the goal, and it was obviously like a poacher's goal tapping. And I'm sure he's going to score many, many, many more of them this season. Mm-hmm. Um, possibly when he gets Seymour slash Tyrese playing with him as well, uh, he's got that X. I think, yeah, especially we know that the, the the reputation that Tyrese has got around the championship, and I'm sure when he's back on top form. He'll be occupying defenders and he'll be creating space and opportunities. Um, and I think Surridge is going to be the man to sort of take advantage of them as well when he has a bit more freedom in, the, in, around, in and around the box. So uh, when Tyrese comes back then, are you dropping Brown in that case? Uh, I, I will be, yes. Uh, not Nothing against I think Jacob Brown's been fantastic this season. And I think the fact that he is playing so well and the fact that obviously we've also got uh, Abdullah Seymour as well means we can take our time with Tyrese. We haven't got to rush him, which is good. I mean, we've said this before, haven't we, that yeah, as long as we're playing well. Yeah, Jacob Brown is playing well. But I think there was one incident today early on. I mean, I think it was Smith or Allen had played played the ball between the, the full-back and the central half, and, and Brown was away on the wing, and he looked up. And he had Surridge at the back post, and obviously he just had to. He could have driven with it, and you know, driven into the penalty box himself, or you know, tried to float the ball in the back post. And he just sort of rolled it into the penalty box, and it was yeah. like just in front of the six-yard box, and the keeper just easily picked it up. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the difference between having him and Campbell. Campbell would have and just driven at the centre half there, knocked the ball past him, and made them either say, "Well, I'm going to have to let you go because you." You know, he's got two options: bring him down for a penalty or let him go. I think that's that would be the difference. I mean, that's the step up in quality that we get when Campbell comes back. As somebody who's currently sort of standing in, without sounding too disrespectful to Brown, 
he's doing a great job, and I'm, you know, I'm saying more than happy for him being the team right now. I'm not calling for, you know, why is he playing or we need to try something else. You know, we we can in my we can wait for Tyrese to be fully fit. I was going to say because Tyrese obviously had a run out for uh, obviously versus Middlesbrough for the under twenty threes, and um, do you think he makes the bench at the weekend? I think it might be a bit too soon for me. But... Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I think he needs. We've we've got Simmer, Simmer, Simmer. Sorry, Simmer, um, I go for. But yeah, go for it. Seema, yeah, <laughs> we, we've got Simmer, and I think looking at him today, they they seem to be quite similar in styles, and like you know, it's very explosive and it's very pace driven game. And I think, obviously, like I say, we've got Brown who's in top form. As, you know, for him, he's playing really well. He's playing, you know, his levels are increasing as well. There's no need to rush Tyrese. He's played in that under-23 games. Obviously, the physios will have a look at him and whatever. I'd let him play another couple of them where the intensity is probably not quite the same. And he, you know, he can go on. If he feels anything, he can come off. You know, they've got... He's got that sort of freedom and sort of exploratory kind of circumstances, hasn't he, in under-23 games? Yeah. That's somewhere, I think. I, 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 I wouldn't rush him back. He's been out for such a long time. He's getting, like I say, getting sharpness. And the, the other thing as well, let him go get a couple of goals first in the under-23s, and, you know, goals or assists, and let him come back in the first team with a bit of confidence as well. Because after being out for so long, if he comes in and he's off the pace, it, it could have a sort of a you know, detrimental respect, you know, in respect to his sort of how he feels his game's going because he's been out for so long. If he is off the pace and he's starting you know, missing chances or not, not things aren't coming off when he's trying them, he could think, oh, you know, I'm sure, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a confident lad, but you know, I've, I've still got it kind of thing. Yeah, and supporters, you know what supporters are like, mate. Even though he's been out, the pressure will be on. It'll be we yeah. want the old Tyrese back, and if it's not straight away, and you know that's no no disrespect to Stoke fans. I think every set of supporters for every club's like that for their star player that that comes in. You expect the top, and like you said, mate. I think if our recruitment hadn't have been so good in the summer, we we may have seen him to come back this weekend. But I think, as you said, because we've got such great options up there, probably. He doesn't quite know which are the best options right now, but because we have the options, like I said, give it two or three weeks, bring him back slowly and, and go from there. Yes, definitely. Cool, lovely. Um, well, uh, yeah, obviously we mentioned um, Harry Suter as well, mate. So uh, we had some quite interesting um, Opta stats uh, that we saw, didn't we, uh, the other day? I think it was down to if, uh, total duels. I think for Suter was quite high, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's 80% total duels win. They <laughs> won, sorry. So, four out of five, Eddie goes in for with somebody and he comes out on top. And like I say, he only wow. loses one out of five headers when he goes in, which, you know, primarily going to be with strikers. I imagine, you know, because he's sort of playing that centre, that centre of the three as well, that he's going to probably be getting the, the big lump, if you like, for the the, the opposition strikers. And he's like, yeah. so he's coming out on top 80% of those duels he's winning, which is that's actually gone the up best. Tonight. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's probably gone up even more after tonight. And then that was, it was already the best in the league. Um, Leo Ostergaard actually comes in fourth in the whole league as well. 
So uh, we, well, when we see teams going long against us, we say, "Oh yeah, carry on, lads. Keep <laughs> keep pumping them balls in." Our defense, yeah, any, yeah, any team that does that, that it's stupid, aren't they? If they do that, and to be fair, Barnsley tried it a couple of times tonight, and I think overall it didn't work. There's still a few moments, but um, again, we, we you can't be on it 24/7. It's, it's not football, but yeah. So um, like I said, mate, it'd be very interesting to to, to see if we can keep holding come January. But I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we pretty much will. But yeah, we'll take that um, two two out of the top five places for for Jules, mate. We'll we'll take a couple of them. Um, and another kind of thing that came up in the Snoke news this week, uh, which we mentioned last week about COVID passports and the rumours around, you know what was going to happen, the government were going to bring it in, and thank God they've actually knocked it on the head because um, I think it's a big relief, firstly, for the club. You can absolutely imagine <laughs> the, the the headache that they would have, um, and you know, th- you know there'll be some stuff coming out in the Supporters Council um, in the next couple of days about what the ideas were around that. Um, and, you know, I think for us as supporters, we know that probably you know it probably would have come down to queuing outside the stadium, which well we discussed that last week. What a nightmare that would have been. So um, I'm just relieved that that is um, gone and not going to come back by the looks of it. So uh, yeah, thank God, thank God for that. Yeah, I think we could all agree with that. I think that was a headache best um, best avoided, <laughs> shall we say? Yeah. Um, but what I, what I'd like to move on to here, Mike. Is obviously you know we obviously we didn't beat Barnsley today. If we had done that, would would have been six home wins in a row, which you know means we're still in great form. Five wins and a draw from our six home games. We're fifth in the league. We've basically played the whole season without Nick Powell, and obviously without Tyrese Campbell as well. We've also got Abdul Sima who's on the side. You know he's coming into the side as well, coming into the squad as well. Is this our strongest squad since we were relegated? Easily for me. Easily. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the simple reason that is, as a first 11, I think we're very, very strong. Again, you look at the bench, you look at the other players, even not getting onto the bench, um, are, are really strong players. But I think when we talk about squad, well, we've always had a big squad. That's never been the point. It's just that previous seasons, if we needed a goal, who did we bring on? Sam Blinking Vokes. <laughs> you know, fr- fridge man, as I call him. You know, I. Th- that's the difference. We're, br- we're bringing on a, I don't know, a Seema, or we're bringing on a Fletcher versus bringing on, um, you know, a, 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 a double decker or a fridge. Do you know, what I mean? it's completely, it's completely different. And I think we're bringing on quality, not just bringing on another number. So yeah, for me, easy as that. It's an obvious yes. Yeah. See, for me, I think if you look at it in terms of like. Quality, ability, shall we say? The the team that we, the squad that we started that first season after we were relegated, was absolutely ridiculous for championship level on paper. The problem was their attitude stunk. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and the management of them was damn awful as well. You know, Gary Rowatad, like I say, ability wise, far and away the best side possibly in the championship in years and years and proceeding to want to play negative football and not yeah. let them play, which again, whether that's right or wrong, I think probably played a downturn in their attitude of some of them even more. And I think, yeah, looking back on paper, that side, like I say, ability wise was 
was ridiculous. However, the attitude stunk. They were you know, terrible, <laughs> ter- ter- terrible for the football club, and the management was bad. Now, Mark Mark O'Neill is the best manager we've had, you know, since the first half of Mark Hughes's reign. You know, without a doubt, and there's no question about that. He's been given time, and he, now he's got his squad. And like I say, this squad, since we got relegated, this is the best all-round squad. You're taking into account ability, depth, balance, the management, the togetherness, unity, the fight in them. Everything, everything is there for this squad. And you need all them ingredients in the championship if you're going to do well. So, yeah. It's very funny how it's taken the actual parachute payments to disappear for us to actually get this. <laughs> it shows when people said in the past, you know, money doesn't buy a success. Yeah. Well, I think we've proven that. Um, you know, what did we do first season? 50, 60 million quid we spent. Um, so that proved it very well. We completely screwed up on a several signings there. Um, and this season we've had literally next to nothing bar a couple of million for, you know, obviously Surridge and a one well, We've actually made a profit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We made a profit. So, um, yeah, it, again, it's, it's night and day. It's just funny um, how we've done it with no money um, and we brought all those players together, which shows instead of going for just these so-called big names or pre- people have been previously amazing, you know, we've, we've invested in youth uh, and invested in, in obviously development. So it just shows, doesn't it? It's, it's not always about ability. Johnny Walters proved that. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I love Johnny Walters. I thought he was a, a great player. Um, but again, his main attribute was running through a brick wall for you. And that's what made him popular. And that's what made him a success for me. Yeah, he he was a player who got every last ounce of ability out of what you know, he produced and went beyond what he should have been able to do because yeah. he put so much into it. And like I say, now he's retired, he'll look back on his career and he'll have no regrets. Other than two own goals against Chelsea, of course. (laughs) Yeah. But some of these players who've played for Stoke in the last three or four years, when they come to retire, are they going to be able to go, yeah, you know what? Maybe. Maybe I could have done a bit more there. Or, yeah, maybe I I, I treated that situation wrong. Um, I I think that could possibly be in in the Reds when they come to retire. But this squad now, like you've just said there, they've invested in youth. They're giving young, hungry players the chance, and you need that. You need we we we've gone from having a squad of players who've been there and done it. They've already got the millions in the bank. They've already played at their old Traffords and their Anfields, and you know Premier League football. They've got the Premier League money. They've got nothing to prove. Whereas this 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 squad now, it's full of young, hungry talent. People who you know they haven't they've got to succeed in their careers yet. They don't know how high they can go. They're improving all the time and they're pushing each other on. And that's that's the exciting part for Stoke. How far are we going to go with this squad? Yeah. Yeah, 100 percent mate. I can't I can't wait to see how this season pans out. It's been a good start and fingers crossed the supporters give us uh, give us time. Give them time. Uh, except there's going to be ups and downs like tonight. We well, I think we all kind of hoped or if not expected three points, but get, again, goes to show championship. It's a very very still challenging division. Uh, any team can beat anybody. Things like tonight happen when you get all your coaching stuff sent off and all that <laughs> business stuff you can't control. And like like we jokingly said before uh, the show, I mean, if we will, we'll have 
uh, Andy Kai and, and stuff, you know, coming down and coming out of retirement so he can uh, help be the, the number two for, for O'Neill at the weekend. Because <laughs> I'd imagine that both Rory and um, what's his face uh, will be will be sitting in the stands. I'm assuming they, they won't be allowed um, on the on the sidelines with O'Neill. So. We, we, I don't know, we'll have to go to the under-23s, goalkeeping coach or something like that to, to join him. But, um, yeah, well, it's interesting. Well, I was gonna say, maybe, that, maybe that will be Tyrese's way onto the bench. He won't be as a substitute. He'll be assistant manager for the week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be amusing, wouldn't it? Um, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so obviously, you know, interesting couple of games. Um, I'm glad the passports um, are over anyway, that we can, can stop worrying about that at least. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the supporters' council as well when we were talking about the the uh, COVID passports. Mm. Uh, you've obviously attended your first supporters' council meeting um, last Saturday. How, how did that go? Uh, yeah, yeah, it went really good. Thank you, mate. Um, it was quite a nice kind of open discussion. Uh, you know, there were so many points that we that we had. We had about an hour and a half to to get get through things and, and rattle through things, which you think is plenty, but um, honestly, it really isn't. So. Yeah, we, we raised, you know, a number of different, um, not necessarily concerns so much. There was an element of concerns in different kind of constructive bits that we wanted. Some bits we can already see have been implemented, which is great. And, you know, you'll get the content on that. Obviously, everything is confidential until it hits the Stoke site. So in a couple of days, that'll be on there uh, for people to look at anyway. But yeah, really positive experience, mate. Um, obviously, we had uh, we had Tony Scholes, of course, was there um, giving his thoughts and in terms of how he obviously thought things went, uh, we had a couple of other uh, people from the the club as well, um, giving the, kind of just giving their input, and you know it seemed to be very kind of open and a good chat, and you know you could tell that you know they weren't kind of spinning you a line at any point, you know they were they were open if they if they knew they couldn't do something they would absolutely say we can't do something, or you know we'll look into this or whatever it may be. So there's some very interesting stuff on there, which as as I said, you'll, you'll everyone will see that. Um, but I must admit, mate, the big highlight were the bacon and cheese oat cakes at the end. Oh, my word. What? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I've had bacon and cheese a thousand times, mate. I've had it today and it doesn't come close to the ones that the club provided at the end. Um, you know, we, we don't get and you know, we, we don't get kickbacks. We don't get anything from being a supporters council. It's very much a, a thankless task at times. You know, I've seen you know feedback that people have given to the supporters council in the past, which is just ridiculous because, again, no one's doing it for the self-interest. I mean, we don't get free tickets. We, you know, after the meeting, we all had a quick chat with Tony and, and other people like that, and then we had to leave. You know, there's there's no free tickets to the games and stuff. So, I think you know the the council deserves a break uh, from some supporters. There's some um, typical people that always come up with various comments, which I'm not going to bring up. But you know, generally, everyone's in it for the best interest of the club, for the best interest of the supporters, um, and you know, it takes. A long time. We have an hour, hour and a half meeting before the official meeting to discuss what we're going to discuss. And there's another hour and a half. You know, there's time in and around those meetings that you have to plan around. It's a good probably five hours or so's work. Um, and we don't get anything out of it. So, yeah, I mean, also would say, you know, if, if yourself, Dan or anyone else listening has got any particular things that they want to raise about the match day experience, about various different bits. Uh, if you go on, I think it's SCFC, um, SC, which is a few uh, letters, or just click on Supporters Council on, on Twitter, I'm sure you'll find it. But, you know, send them a message, uh, leave some comments on there. Um, and, uh, you know, the next meeting's kind of in November time, so you've got plenty of time to get your, your opinions in. So, yeah, a bit of a long answer to your question, mate, but I think it's, it, was, it, was, it was important for me to get across that, 
we, we know we're not being paid for this it is purely there to help people and nothing more so um thank you for, for listening to my little rant but uh, i just wanted to make sure that that was clear no no it's it's um like I say, it's it's obviously something when you're not involved in it it's intriguing to know what goes on behind the scenes with them and you know what and what's what's actually said and how they all how the meetings unfold um so it's yeah it's, it's interesting obviously to get your take on that there and obviously i know you can't say too much there but yeah nice to, nice to get a bit of feedback there from the meeting no, absolutely, man. I say no, t- Tony Scholes is a really nice guy, uh, and I know people listening. The, the people have vendettas uh, and stuff like that. But you know, f- for me, it's you know Tony. How you probably don't see him in the media and stuff like that. So yeah, it was uh, it was good to just see um, just people you know, away from the cameras and stuff like that. So that that was quite nice. Um, yeah, and to be honest, mate, one thing which is not supporters council related, but I saw it just before the show that I wanted to mention. Um, it's probably good a time as any. So. The best Stoke City manager um, in the uh, the entire career, oh, sorry, the history of the club, shall we say. He had a, a ten, 10 years ago this week. Um, a certain person made his half-time return to help inspire a 2-1 versus Villa. Um, any ideas which one am I referring to, Dan? Well, it's definitely his name. I think everybody knows the best manager of the school ever is named Tony. I think you're about Mr Pulis. Easily. Some might say Waddington is. I think it's definitely either Waddington or Pulis, isn't it? But yeah, I know you were uh, talking about Mr. Pulis, aren't you? There when he made a, that rather emotional, say half-time return after on the, on the day yeah. his mother sadly passed away. Yeah, ten years ago, mate. Does that ten not make years. you feel old? <laughs> I remember the shivers and stuff as he ran onto the pitch. Just shivers going up the spine, like just in complete awe of this guy who couldn't believe it. It just it was just complete shock. No one saw it coming. Because um, no, obviously he announced before the game, didn't he? You know, he's not here tonight because of his mum. And uh, was it Dave Kemp, I think, took charge? They were 1 yeah, 0 down been, and then he come back. Would have been Kempy. Kempy. <laughs> yeah, Kemp. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah. So, for you then, mate, you think Waddington's better than Peelis? I mean, this isn't probably the right time for this type of debate because we could go for a while. But... I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm sure that every, you know, the, Majority of Stoke fans will go with either of the, one of the Tonys. <laughs> I'm not yeah. getting into that debate right now. Um, <laughs> what I what the only thing I always say with these debates is I can only really judge off my lifetime. Of course, when people say who's the greatest footballer in history and it's you know is it Pele is it Maradona I'll say well to me Pele Maradona I can see a bit of footage but. We've all seen with YouTube clips, you can make anybody look good, can't you? <laughs> so yeah, wish I, you know, I I always try and say to people, you know, I I can only ever judge off what I've seen myself in my own lifetime. And Tony Pulis, you know, we've had some good managers. That we've got a damn good manager now. Uh, there were good managers before him, people like Lou Macari. But yeah, Tony Pulis is you know the best manager of, of Stoke City in my lifetime. Lovely. Well, that's definitely a, a conversation for another day. Um, I'm sure. Maybe in uh, five years' time, when uh, you know we're still doing this, and O'Neill's got us to Champions League. I mean, that's probably a start. Start having a different conversation at that point, I suppose. But okay. And obviously, next on the agenda, Dan, which is it's obviously a Stoke City news, but it's not actually anything to do with Stoke. So, um, yeah. So we had a bit of a chat uh, the other week about Birmingham uh, charging 35 quid for, for obviously supporters, visiting supporters for the match um, and it's reared its head once again but this time Sheffield United are charging 37 quid 
for Derby fans. Um, oh, mate, this is absolutely getting a bit ridiculous now. Um, are, are we just going to have to moan and accept it? Because I don't know what the uh, what the general steps are for me, unless the actual you know the football association, whoever it is, gets in in, in control of this. No, the clubs aren't going to police this themselves. So, what can we do to change this situation, mate? Or do we just need to just suck it up and accept the fact that it's never going to change? The problem is the reason it hasn't changed so far is that people still go, yeah. and <laughs> that's the reason why they know that people will still come, and. They're quite happy to fleece away fans, especially because they haven't got to try and make them fans come back the week after, have they? They've got a different set of away fans coming next week uh, for the next game, whatever. So there's no continued, um, let's just say, like buy-in required. So no, people say that, that you make you vote with your feet, but we all know what football fans are like. Some people exactly. go if it's forty-five quid a ticket. So. Voting with your feet's never going to work because there's always going to be people that are willing to pay it. Yeah, exactly. And that's it. And there's some people who, you know, like you say, they'll still go because this is their, this is the one thing a week that they do. To, and it's something that they they look forward to all week. And it doesn't matter if it's 10 quid or, like you say, 45, 50 quid. They'll do it because that's what keeps them going through the week. Now, I think it's disgusting that clubs then take advantage of that. It's, it's not. It's not fair. It's not right. Why should? What? What? The, the Premier League pay thirty, 30 pounds on away ticket, doesn't it? Maximum thirty pounds on away ticket, no yeah. more. The Championship should bring it in twenty pounds maximum price. Twenty is plenty. Has been bandied about for a long time. There is no reason why the Championship cannot bring in. £20 maximum away ticket prices. It could even say maximum £20 for home ticket prices. This yeah. isn't elite. Let's face it, this, this is probably far more enjoyable football <laughs> than some of the Premier League matches we've watched, especially if you've got a struggling team in that league and because you can sit and pay, you, you pay more to watch the, the top sides in the Premier League and then your club could hardly see the ball <laughs> for most of the game. But in the championship, yeah, you're probably going to get more enjoyment out of the game uh, because they're, they're more level and there's more end-to-end action. But it's not elite-level sport either, as it let's face it. These aren't the best of the best going going head to in this league. No. Why? You know, they should. If, if the club said it's twenty pounds a ticket, everybody in. You know, say even home fans, home fans, away fans, twenty pounds in. Every club then knows that. And they can budget accordingly. And yeah. you can even drop that down League One and League Two. Because I mean, I think yeah, you know, we, we can play about probably thirty-seven pounds on championships is scandalous. I've seen clubs I don't not I don't know about since we since they've reopened this season, but I know clubs that were charging just you know the same what we were charging when we were in the Premier League. And they were like League One and League Two. <laughs> How was that? How was that right? How was that? A, a, you know, how was that the same? I, I don't know, mate. I saw a suggestion um, earlier on about, uh, if, for example, if the teams that get relegated and obviously get the parachute payments. Um, a comment and thoughts on somebody was, um, well, they have a limit of twenty pound that they can charge for a ticket because they're still getting tens of millions in parachute payments. Well, that was an interesting idea. 
Um, I suppose they're the ones more than anyone who could afford to, to take the hit. Yeah, like I say, I think away fans definitely, it just needs to be across the board. They need the, the uh, I know Malcolm Clark's actually a state fan, isn't he? He's in charge, he's uh, sort yep. of leads the, the fans, uh, is it the fans forum or just mm, uh, the FSA? I think it's called something uh, like that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he sort of, you know, he, I know he's pushed for this before, but I think it, they need to go again with it and, and something needs to be done. And, and you know, we, we, need, we need to see some sort of movement where 20, 20 pounds is enough. There doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be any more than that. It's for an hour and a half, an hour and a half football match, you've got all the other expenses that go on. We, we're so lucky as our, at our club that you know, we, we get free travel and I know that that used to come from a fund. You know, people say, well, that, that's come from a fund when we were in the Premier League. They you know, used to have so much, was it 750000 or something? Maybe maybe wrong on that figure, which was to spend on you know, match day experience. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and we used it to fund coach travel. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we used it to fund coach travel. and But that money's gone since we've, got, we've been relegated. But the club have you know, stood by that, what they were doing. And we are so lucky that we still get that free coach travel. Because yeah. without that, that adds another massive amount onto onto your day. You know, onto if you're gonna go away, especially like I say, if you're taking, you know, yourself, a couple of children, maybe your partner going as well, making a you know, going as a family, all of a sudden you got to buy four train tickets or four coach tickets on top. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you I mean, who was who did you say was going to Sheffield United for this match? Uh, Derby. Derby. So those Derby, I take it the Derby, especially with their financial situation and their chairman, they won't be getting a penny out of him. So, you know, they've got four. They've got four match tickets to buy. They've then got four transports. You know, the tickets of whatever, however, which way they go there, or fuel for the family four to get there. And then they've That's got awesome. food and everything else on top. Yeah, you know why can't the, why can't the clubs just you know be sensible with what they're doing and be fair? Yeah, well, like I say, mate, we'll we'll soon see how it pans out. It's going to take the authorities to to sort this out, but um, well, they haven't they haven't done it up to now, so why would they care uh, all of a sudden? So we'll see, mate, we'll see. Um, and I think you know before we move on to looking ahead to Derby this weekend, um, we've uh, obviously have a, a loan watch, so we'll obviously like to keep an eye on the the players that go out on loan. Uh, last week it was Connor Taylor, so for anybody who who missed last week's pod, make sure you uh, you go back and listen to that. It was quite interesting. But yeah, we did Connor Taylor last week. Uh, this week uh, we've spoken to James from Voices of the Vic uh, podcast. We're going to see how Peter Etebo um, has gone on. Let's see if he's actually been able to make that kind of step up. Hello, Stoke fans. I'm James from the Voices of the Vic podcast, a Watford podcast, and I'm here today to talk to you about how Peter Etebo has been getting on at Watford. Obviously, he's on loan from you guys currently, um, and Watford do have the option to buy him come the end of the season. Now, when Watford signed Etebo, um, I was a bit confused because, you know, as as Watford do, we sign a lot of players that really um, a lot of people have never heard of, and I've got to be honest I've never heard of Peter Atebo until he moved to Watford so a bit of a um, bit of a surprise signing but actually I think for me personally I think he's done quite well um, I wouldn't say he's been terrible I also wouldn't say he's been outstanding I would say he's just been good and he doesn't look out of place in the Premier League 
Now, in front of me here, I've actually got the post that Watford um, put up on their website um, when he signed, talking about what he'd done previously. And it says here he's a box-to-box midfielder now. He's not actually been utilised in that position at Watford. He's actually more been utilised as the deepest um, central midfielder, if you will. So we played the 4-3-3 formation, um, obviously four at the back, then three midfielders and three attackers. Um, and Peter Atebo has been sitting um, as the deepest midfielder. And actually, I don't think that suits him because, you know, he, he's relatively weak on the ball. He does get dispossessed quite easily. When opposition teams have pressed him, um, he can also give the ball away. I think it, that was evident in the Crystal Palace Carabao Cup tie earlier earlier in the season. He did get dispossessed quite easily. And that's my main concern with him, just his, his lack of physicality um, and, and how easily he can get dispossessed. But as I said, um, he, he's, he's been good and, and one of the better midfield players so far this season. There's been a lot of rotation and a lot of new faces in that position, um, you know, because of injuries or, or transfer speculation. So we had a lot of new faces there. Musa Sizoko, obviously Peter Otebo's come in. Imran Loser as well as another new face in midfield. So he's he's done well to settle in as quick as he has. Um, and he's 25 as well. So I, th- I think he's a good age. So hopefully he continues the form he's shown um, throughout the season so far. I'm actually hoping that he'll move into a more box-to-box role because I do think he does have the ability to drive at defences um, and, and his passing is relatively good as well when he gets the opportunity to do so. So overall, very, very happy with um, the loan deal and hopefully if he continues to play like he is currently, hopefully he will turn the loan into a permanent buy option. So best of luck for the rest of the season and I'm looking forward to the cup tie on Tuesday night. Thanks guys. Well, thank you very much, James. Much appreciate the uh, the insight there. It looks like Peter's doing okay. Not really exactly, you know, setting the world alight. Um, but, you know, we'll see how he kind of settles in. I think, I don't know about you, Dan, but I think Peter Etebo's time is very, very much done with this club. I think he's burnt all of his bridges. Um, and I think the, the question probably is, uh, is he going to stay with Watford or is he going to come back and be, I don't know, is, is, isn't, isn't his contract run out actually next season? I was going to say, will he come back and then go out on loan again? But I, I swear his contract runs out soon, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think he's got one more year because I'm sure right. they've got a two million pounds purchase. Um, if they, if they wish to, they can buy him for two million pounds next yeah. summer. What now, a oh geez, two million quid! Wow. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, the player that we thought we had in them first few games, the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I I think yeah, he's time at Stokes. It's time it stokes up, isn't it? Is over. We aren't going to see him in a Stokes shirt again. I think no. the fact that there was that sort of um, sort of period in this summer, wasn't there, where there were rumours he'd asked if he could come back, and then he was saying like, no, there's no chance he's going to be back. And Michael O'Neill had said, there's, you know, apart from the young lads, there was no but no players out on loan who we consider giving a chance to. And then he said, oh, he never had any intention of coming back. I think that sort of played out of him trying to... It, it sounds like, obviously I've, I've, I have no idea, but it sounds like he was trying to save face at the end of that by saying, oh no, it's just, just the press making things up. I, I never yeah. wanted to come back. I think he's maybe tried to tried to say, like, you know, uh, seeing that we're sort of a club back on the up again, he's not had a particularly great time going here, there and everywhere, has he? Out on loan. No. He's probably thought, oh well, yeah, do, do you know? Have I got a future at Stoke? And the manager 
<laughs> quite categorically told him no. Okay, well, good because we, we, we don't need you. Uh, we don't need you anyway, Peter. So stay away. That's no problem, mate. Great. Okay, lovely. Well, uh, let's look ahead to to Derby this weekend then, which is obviously. Uh, really, uh, really important. We we keep on marching, you know, picking up those points. So let's have a look at the head-to-head between the two teams. So uh, the last six fixtures versus Derby, uh, we have uh, we have edged it, well, pretty decently actually. So um, Stoke have won four, drawn one, and lost one uh, between the two teams. Uh, the last time we were beaten was on the 31st of January 2020, so not actually that long ago. Unfortunately, losing four nil away, um, so we took a bit of a battering that day. I can't. I must admit, I must have wiped that one out of the memory. I was a bit surprised to see how soon, uh, how soon it was. But I think Rooney got a, go- a goal back then. I think he was still playing. Uh, but yeah, either way, so we lost four um, nil. And you know, interesting one. I'm gonna actually. I'm not gonna give you the answer to this. I'm gonna ask you. Last time we actually beat Derby um, away was in what year? Any idea? The last time we beat them away. Um... Did we did we beat them on the way to the FA Cup final? Oh mate, just brilliant. Uh yes. <laughs> so uh, 2012 FA Cup, Rory Delap lined up for us on that day. Um and I'll give you extra Brucey bonus points if you can tell me who scored for us. Oh, now that I think it was the fourth round game, I think. Because we played Cardiff in round three, and I'm sure we got Derby in round four. Um, oh, I'm gonna give you ten more seconds. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, I have a guess. Uh, it's gonna have to be I don't know, Danny Eggybottom. No, fortunately not. Yeah. Um, Cameron Jerome and Robert Huth uh, got the goals that day. Um, so yeah, I think it ended up two 0 uh, away in the end. Um, so looking at the actual teams, only four players uh, from that match day squad are likely to face them again this weekend. Um, and you won't be surprised to see who two of them are. They're the only two players who have only ever played every single match for it. It's crazy. Alan and Klukas come up every <laughs> single week. Every week we've done this, Alan and Klukas have been there. And you won't be surprised. In fact, this one of these won't be now playing Nick this weekend. But Smith and Tymon uh, are the others that were playing. So despite it only being last year that we actually played them previously... Only four players are potentially going to line up, so that just shows what a player turnaround uh, we've had, mate. It, it, you know, just again, it's incredible the work we've done um, this this kind of time. And I mean, t- to be fair, mate, again, we looked at the Derby uh, kind of you know, lineup in terms of what they've been doing this season. Um, you know, they've obviously had an extra day's recovery time, so they've got kind of a slight advantage over us, I guess. And you know, they've just obviously picked up a point versus West Brom, so. Be quite interesting to see how how this one pans out, but um, I mean Derby's start so far, I think it's been I think they've they've won one um, obviously in, in the first kind of uh, six or seven games, and um, you know they're not exactly in 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 great form, but again they're going to be full of confidence, aren't they? Um, after that that point against West Brom. Yeah, I mean if nothing else, they seem to be organised. They aren't scoring many goals, but. I mean, ball think one game or two. They they've seem to be keeping, you know, keeping it quite tight at the back, um, and that that's probably you know, Rooney. Seems he hasn't had much to play with, has he? So he's he's obviously like gone well. Keep keep it clean. Keep a clean sheet, and we're not going to lose the game. And try and nick one. I think that's the way they're playing at the minute. So we we may have a another day of knock trying to see if we can knock at the door until it opens. I was going to say that, but while we're on that subject, then I mean. What players are you switching around um, for the weekend? Obviously, let's just assume that Smith's red card tonight doesn't get rescinded. 
Um, so who are you bringing in for, for Smith? And if Nick Powell is, is uh, fit, do you bring him straight back in? So I was going to say Doughty could have come in um, at left wing back. Nothing against Josh Timing. I just think that he, um, obviously to ask him to play three games in a week and maintain the high quality that he's been playing at, it'd be tough because it, wing back, obviously, especially the way he plays with such pace, it is difficult. You know, he's up and down, up and down, up and down. It's, you know, it's, it's inevitable that his levels are going to drop. Asking him to do that, you know, keep going back to the well, as, as you say, you know, time and again in such a short space of time. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I think we are probably better off keeping him now in the team and uh, I'd put Doughty on at right wing back. Right, so you'd have him over to Haney then? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, yeah, he came on tonight and to finish the game there. I think he played... Uh, was it Fulham? Did he come on and play? Played quite a few minutes at right wing back at Fulham as well. So yeah, I think I'd, I'd have him there. I think he, he'd be a good asset going forward. He's got yep. the pace to yeah, up and down. He'll push, you know, push the derby um, back as well with his pace and obviously timing on the other side as well. We've got. Uh, that, I think that that's the key. We've got to keep keep quick players in and around the squad. And what's your kind of uh, scoreline prediction then? While I've got you mate on that subject, to me, are you thinking? It sounds to me like you think we we're not going to run away with it. No, I think I think it's going to be a tough crowd. I think they're going to, like I say, they they're quite organised. They don't concede too many. They don't score many either, as we've said. I I think be two nil, two nil to Stoke. I think we'll we'll get one. I think we might might take a while for the first to come. But then if we can get one, say, 20 minutes to go, the game has to open up and I think we'll get another one then if, once, the, once the gaps start to show. Ah, OK, interesting. I'm not going to be as positive as you, mate, uh, which is normally different. It's not normally this way, but, uh, I mean, I'm going to go for... Um, yeah, I think I'll do the same as you in terms of replacing Smith uh, for, for for Dowsey. I don't want to see Dehaney in the team. Um, so I'll, I'll go with you on that one. Uh, I wouldn't be so overly surprised. I mean, Alan went off with a slight injury. I mean, I, he doesn't look anything serious, but um, assuming there's no more changes on that front, I'm going to go for a 1-1 because you mentioned that, you know, they don't score many, they don't concede many. Um, you know what? You can say the same about Stoke. I mean, we have, we've scored, obviously, three against Reading. Uh, we've, we've not really done much more than that. I think we've only scored 10 goals and we're the lowest in, in the top six for, for goals, I think it is. So, I think it's going to be tight. Um, Nil-nil, 1-1, maybe we'll sneak it. But, um, yeah, it should be interesting, mate. And um, speaking of interesting, uh, Graham McGarry, which everyone will know from Radio Stoke. Um, Graham, uh, every week, will give his opinion on what he thinks. Uh, so let's have a, a quick listen to what he thinks, and we'll, uh, we'll see if he's uh, on the same lines as me anyway. Hi there, this is Graham McGarry again with your Potter's prediction for the weekend, of course, after what was a pulsating midweek game where Stoke will still be wondering why they didn't get those three points against Barnsley, but in the end had to be satisfied with a point in front of a passionate home support, while the away support will be in their numbers, of course, on Saturday when they make that short trip to Derby County. Derby have had an in-and-out start to the season, and Wayne Rooney's been under a bit of pressure, but he seems to stabilise the results on the pitch, and they've got a fine nil-nil draw in midweek at West Brom. It's going to be a tough game for Stoke, but I think they can come back with something, and I'm going to go for a Derby County 1, Stoke City 1.
Cheers, Graham. Much appreciated. Um, and yeah, I must admit, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I've heard the audio before now, just agreeing with Graham. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one one is my uh, my kind of thought. So we're on the same lines, Graham. And uh, yeah, I know you've already. I think you already nailed it two one the other week, didn't he, against Huddersfield? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you Dan? you, co- you copied him then as well. Yeah, you, I yeah, didn't. I, I got game. mine in first. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. You know, there's going to be a, a theme here, and I'm just going to copy whatever whatever Graham says and uh, yeah, <laughs> edge my bets. Um, I, I must have. I'm surprised I didn't go. Well, we might win, but we could lose. But we'll probably get a draw. I might as well just go all three. Um, so yeah. Anyway, so thanks for that, Graham. Um, and while we're on the subject of Derby, uh, we've got some audio from the Derby camp as well. So the Rams uh, preview podcast. Um, have been in touch as well and they're giving their thoughts on obviously how their season's gone uh, what they think going into the weekend Uh, so let's see how things look from their perspective Hi Potters fans Jason here from the Rams Review podcast to give you the lowdown on Derby County it's been an interesting start from from Derby so far this season seven points from seven games as recorded this after the Tuesday night 0-0 draw at West Brom a game fully expecting Derby to have lost. They battled. That's exactly what you're going to see on Saturday. A battling performance. I think Stoke will play uh, a very similar way to what we've come up against in the last couple. Uh, you know, pressing, pressing us, uh, not giving us enough time on the ball, re- really trying to get into us. Uh, and we've dealt with it well. Uh, we do lack going forward. But you know the style of play suits that that sets up for um, you know tr- trying to hit on the break. We are at home, obviously, on Saturday. We that might mean that we'll we'll try and force our game on on yourselves a little bit more. Um, we'll certainly go all. I'm sure we'll try and go all out for a result at home, um, which in turn. Does give the opportunity to hit Derby on the break, get it down the, get it down the flanks. We we do like our wing backs to sit right on the halfway line easily, um, so that is definitely an option. And of course, getting in behind our, our aging, experienced defence. I think you know the, the the battle will be the physical side of things. We've had a couple now. Derby really have stepped up in in the physical stakes something that Derby are not renowned for. So it's going to be an interesting game on, on Saturday for me. I think, you know, Stoke, I'd give my opinion on Stoke, I, th- I think they've they've had a, a great start. Um, I think Michael O'Neill's doing wonders uh, finally after a, a busy uh, transfer window over the summer, clearing out some, some of the dead wood. Um, and I really expect Stoke to do quite well this season. This is this is going to be a very very tough test for Derby, no doubt about it. Derby certainly need to find the shooting boots. Uh, if they can, I think they can give Stoke a game on on Saturday. For me, certainly in Derby's predicament and in position, we we take points wherever we can get them. I would not be disappointed with coming away from Pride Park with a one one draw. Cheers, Stoke fans. Enjoy your season. Lovely. Thank you very much, James. Much appreciate uh, that from the Rams preview podcast. So thank you very much. Um, and uh, yeah, so he's he's kind of said very much what you said, to be honest, Dan, a very, very close kind of game. They admit that they're not really scoring many goals. Um, and I think he's uh, I think he's hopeful for a, for a point at the weekend. Um, and 
I think again he, he's just speaking sense because he's you know he, he's he's gone for similar as me really so it's clearly speaking sense. Um, <laughs> any particular thoughts off the back of that yourself, Pete? Well, obviously nailed on for a draw, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Know. I, th- I think I take a draw. Um, just, we don't. We just don't go down this habit and just slowly work our way down this division. Uh, we're doing. We're doing well at the minute. And like I said to you previous weeks, we've got a very difficult October coming. I think I swear it's like West Brom and Bournemouth and Sheffield United or something uh, in, in October. So there's some quite challenging games um i don't see us losing dan i, I really don't think we're going to lose mate um i don't think they're good enough for that i think rooney's on borrowed time as it is anyway um he's he's on a hiding to nothing with the the lack of of players they've got anyway um but i mean from your perspective dan, I mean, how do you think we actually get over the line and win i know you've gone for a two nil scoreline yourself so how do you think we're actually going to do that? Do you think we're going to be quite tied to nick it off set pieces or uh, we're going to have some uh, Nottingham Forest style performance? Yeah, I think, I think we've just got to be patient. We've got to be patient and they've just got to you know, move the ball quickly. That's the key. Get the, I know we were speaking about the centre-halves earlier on, weren't we? And, you know, maybe their level dropped. I think that's where, the, that's where it starts and that's where the, the intensity and the play has to be. If the if the centralves are moving the ball quickly, you know, bringing the midfield in and step, stepping out, that sets the tone for the rest of them to, to the rest of the players to push. Um, hopefully, obviously, hopefully Sawyer's um, can improve, obviously, and pick up a bit of form. That'll really help as well with that movement and and moving, like I say, moving the ball quickly. But that's what it's going to be. They're going to have a tight defence. They're going, they're going to be solid. And if we are lacklustre now we're playing and it was slow, then it's just going to play into their hands. They're going to love it. The fact you know if we're taking two, three touches, pass it on. Two, three touches, pass it on. Oh, are we going back? We need to be purposeful. You know, fizz the ball into players. Play it early. First time balls. Little you know one two things. Things just to move the opposition players out of their you know, out of their comfort zones. Make yeah. draw them in, move them, and that that's how we're going to get gaps because I think like I said they'll be happy with the points let's be honest so yeah we need that's what we need to do I think we've got to play with purpose and you know like I say move, move the ball quickly I think that's the key yeah absolutely mate. I couldn't have said it any better myself and I think overall we can't lose against Derby I don't I don't see a scenario where we lose I don't think they've got enough about them at all. So I'm looking at the fixtures here, Dan. So uh, we've got obviously Derby, as, as we've just touched on. After that, we're going to the EFL Cup. So we're away to Watford. Well, let's let's forget Watford anyway. Uh, not important. The league is what's important right now. So um, after Watford, though, again, we've still got a couple of games where you can really pick up points. So let's just say we can get three points versus Derby. We're then at home to Hull. Again, Hull, nothing special. Uh, and then away to Preston. You know, that is... That, that, there's again the next three fixtures in the league are very winnable games we really want to go into that because like i said actually i got me my order wrong but we're at home to west brom uh the week after that uh we then got away to sheffield united who are starting to pick up now and then we're at home to bournemouth after that so those three games i think there's an international break squeezed in there somewhere as well but those three games are tough games mate we don't want to be going in with you know only one win out of three or something like that. So, yeah, really, really important. We don't take our our eyes off the ball. We need to get 
um, the the three points. At, well, after, okay, then, so I suppose I'll ask you directly, mate. I mean, again, so, so again, we've got Derby. We then go to Hull and we then go to Preston. So from them kind of three games, uh, what do you think is really a, a realistic kind of points total? I think it can be anything, Cardi. This is Stoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we it could be nine. Could well easily be nine. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think we need at least six, six or seven. And the reason I think we need six or seven is I think we need to approach the West Brom Sheffield United games with a bit of confidence. Mm. I've, yeah, I think we can get at West Brom, and I think we can beat Sheffield United at the start they've had. But we'll need to be going there with confidence because if we can't beat Preston, Derby, Barnsley, you know, teams like that, then I think the lads aren't going to be going to you know Bramall Lane and you know aren't going to be playing West Brom and then believing that they can, you know 100% confidence that that they can go out and you know and outplay them and win the game. I think as well with Harry Suter, we mentioned earlier on, he's you know he's, he's uh, top of the Championship standards. For his stats on his heading duels, one and Ostergaard was just behind. Now, having watched West Brom, all they seem to do is play it long, and I know it's it's not going down well <laughs> with the West Brom fans. Yeah, because they're basically saying they've they've obviously they've replaced Allardyce with uh, with the current manager, and it's not sort of changed the style at all. It's it's very you know back to front quite quickly and go from there. And if that's what they're going to come and play those kind of tactics against us. Then there's no reason why we can't beat them because we've we've got like said like we said earlier on any team that wants to come and try and play long ball we've got defenders who are like yeah we'll, we'll mop that up all day especially you know Harry <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely mate I think for me we've got to get at least seven points um, out of them three games and I agree with what you're saying about West Brom. I think that that's the game just before the international break as well so we want to sign off with a um, you know a, a, again another positive result that's really what we what we need so um so that's pretty much it for for the show this week i'll just i said i'll go back to the kind of poll results um nothing's really changed uh you know harry suter is still flying uh we got a few comments from rob sprague who said time and was was ace i totally agree with you i thought second half he he was in so much space and his delivery has been brilliant um again ian park suter has hardly put a foot wrong um yeah exactly mate spot on you can't you can't really argue with with any of those particular comments, um, but yeah, it looks like Harry Stuss is going to take home the uh, the man of the match for this week, and we'll put out an updated table to cover the last few weeks um, of man of the match um, soon. So uh, keep an eye on the Twitter page for that. Um, Dan, any final thoughts, mate, before we wrap up? I'm just looking forward to my quiz now. Yes. Well, yeah, I, th- I don't know, mate. I don't think you deserve a quiz this week, to be honest. <laughs> Shocking. And actually, just, just just can't do that. Keep getting these high scores, can you? <laughs> no, no. To be honest, mate, I, I, I really can't can't be doing with it at all. Um, actually, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I must admit, I'm not going to take it myself because I think I do too well. Um, and I really wouldn't want to embarrass you. Um, so yeah. Anyway, this week's um kind of uh, subject was the uh one and only super captain uh, Ryan Shawcross. So uh, we'll go through uh, 10 questions for you, Dan. I'm expecting, again, top marks. Nothing less than 10 is going to be acceptable. Um, So uh, let's get straight into it. Okie dokie then, Dan. So let's get into it, mate. Uh, Ryan Shawcross. Let's see how much you know about Ryan. Uh, Okay, so question one. 
what is Ryan Shawcross's middle name? We did this for Fuller last week. What's Ryan Shawcross's middle name? Oh, uh, well, you see, I thought you were going to come with this one. So, is it James? <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd give you a nice easy one, mate. Uh, James <laughs> is absolutely correct. Well done. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd get that one. Not surprised at all. Um, <laughs> so, how many games did Ryan play for Stoke in total? Oh, what's me? What's me? Uh, what am I allowed each way? One. Okay, one. <laughs> no, no. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you ten. I'll give you ten. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't know if how, how many of our listeners know, but I'm quite a sad stato. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got. I don't know if anyone ever listened to when I did the uh, my YYY files with Ben Rowley on there. I actually mentioned that I keep track of goals and their uh, goals and appearances. So oh, each no. season and total. And he sat at the top of that total list for a long, long time. And I remember it was a sad day when I had to delete him when he left for Inter Miami. And I'm going to actually say now, I think it was it was about, it was definitely 400 and something because he's the only player ever get to 300, let alone 400 while I've been doing it. Uh, I don't know, uh, 400, four, 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 four. <laughs> Mate, you just squeezed in there with the 10. Um, 453. Oh, literally. Oh, I'm giving you that. that. that that's an excellent. Good guess. So, two out of two. Good start. Okay. In question three, I reckon you'll get this one. In what year did Shawcross sign for Stoke originally? It was August 2008. Uh, 2007. Oh, sorry. oh 2007, no, no, no. I think we've got to take your first answer there, I'm afraid, yeah. Dan. I don't believe there's, there's, I never said final answer. <laughs> there's a slip of the tongue. It was the 2007. There's no calling a friend and 50 50. There's none of that nonsense. <laughs> uh, I'll give it to you. Go on. All right. Um, I, I okay. Was, this I was one. Just seeing, I was just testing if you were awake. That's all. Of course you were, mate. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, so Shawcross, and his, Shawcross <laughs> scored in his first two games for Stoke. Now, one was Cardiff, as obviously we all know, um, but who was the second other or slash other team uh, that he scored for in the next match? Was it a, was it a uh, League Cup game at Rochdale? I'm not telling you. I just want an answer. A <laughs> <laughs> <That> final answer. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Four out of four, mate. Loving it. Uh, you won't get this there, one. I was there I'm that day. Both of them, um, okay, question five. After starting in Stoke's first match in the Premier League in a 3-1 defeat away, Shawcross lost his place in the team to a new signing, and he went on to state that he might have to leave Stoke if the manager signs another defender. But who was the defender that took his place? Abdullahi, my lord. Fortunately, it wasn't. It was Sonko. Oh, crimes. <laughs> yeah, Sonko. Funny enough, I think later on that season he actually got it back. So, yeah, okay. Well, I didn't think he'd get that one, mate, which is brilliant. So, fantastic. Um, question six In which season did Shawcross receive the armband? Right. So, he wouldn't have been that first season in the Premier League. Uh, so, that rules out 2008 9. I don't have been 9 10. I'm going to say 2010-2011. Fantastic. Spot on, mate. 2010-2011. Great work. Okay, question seven. Shawcross received a call-up to the England national side in what was a very busy day for him. But what was the (laughs) other historic moment that occurred on that day for Ryan? Was it the birth of his first child? 
No, it wasn't. Ryan Shawcross was sent off for the injury to Aaron Ramsey. Of course he was. See, I was thinking a bit. I was thinking about the time he actually did, but the minute he made his debut. But yes, of course he was called up, wasn't he? That yeah. And, and yeah, and the whole hullabaloo around, you know, well, Ramsey's not going to like him being in the England team and all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, that didn't last long, did it? OK, that's mm. fine, mate. That's, that's a tricky one. I've, I've thrown in a few obvious and a few tricky ones, so I'm glad you're not getting the, the word. <laughs> uh, question eight. On the 12th of April 2014, Shawcross made his 200th appearance in the Premier League, uh, becoming the first Stoke City player to reach that milestone. But which team was it against? And I will give you a hint if you need it. I will need it. <laughs> okay. Um, Eric Peters scored a complete fluke in the game. Oh, yes. From the left wing cross that just drifted in. And, uh... Oh, who's that against? Oh, I've got a few. I've got a few ones drifting in my head. I've got three, three teams, probably none of them. <laughs> I'm going to have to rush you now. That right, everyone, got... Everyone's waiting. I'm thinking Sunderland, I'm thinking Burnley, I'm thinking Crystal Palace. I'm going to go for Burnley. No, unfortunately not. It was Newcastle United. Yeah, no, 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 no. You were in the same remit with Sunderland. You weren't too far away. <laughs> um, okay, question nine. You're on a bit of a losing streak. This is Geography-wise, I wasn't... Geography-wise, I was all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, other than Birmingham, obviously. Uh, so, okay, question nine. How many years did Ryan play for Stoke in total? Right, so he would have been from 2007, he left. Oh, are we counting? I think it's in total, the loan, no, then permanent signing. Yeah. yeah, so how long was employed by the club is probably a, a fairer question, I suppose. Yeah, I'd say 13 years. I think he left before the start of this year. I've got to take your final yeah. answer, I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, I, I, I said 13, so I'd have to stick with that, but yeah. I, was, close, I, was, I couldn't quite work out which side of Christmas he would have left. <laughs> You're okay. Um, it's 14. He's yeah. eighth on our all-time appearance list um, for the club. Um, okay, you're on a, a three-question losing streak here, so you need to pull this back, and you're on about being Mr. Stato, so this um, is your chance to prove it. Question 10. How many goals did Ryan score in his time with the club? 25. Excellent. Great way to finish off, mate. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, if my math is correct, you got one, two, three, four, five, six correct out of ten. A very respectable score, mate. So, well done. I'll just throw as well one last thing in for you there. That 25 goals is still more than anybody in the current squad has scored for Stoke. So, if he was still here, he'd still be the top scorer. (laughs) Yeah, but I was looking at the actual stats, to be honest, on that. And I was surprised to see, even in that season where I felt like he's... He scored a thousand goals. I think he only scored like eight goals in our promotion winning season. I, I thought it was way more from that, but oh, clearly, I thought he yeah. got ten. I thought yeah, I about, thought because yeah. I think well, he got Rick and uh, Rick got fifteen, didn't he? Lee and Lawrence got fifteen, and Cresswell got twelve. And I thought him and Court both got ten each. He probably is put more like maybe like league goals, maybe uh, yeah, yeah, games. So yeah. But okay, so you did well, mate. Six out of ten, uh, no problem. Um, and uh, that pretty much wraps things up for this week. So thank you to to everybody who's obviously taking the time and listening. If you've made it through to the end, thank you very much for the continued support. So uh, yeah, obviously we'll be back uh, next week, and we'll hopefully be talking about uh, another three points versus Derby. Um, any final thoughts, Dan? Before we let you go, 
Uh, no, just go on Stoke. Fingers crossed. See you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.